and there was a family. We ate dinner there, very nice. Young wife, a boy, maybe nine or ten years old. And so he said, how much do you need? So I told him how much I need, probably 16, 17, or 18,000. And my friend needed 13 or 14, I don't remember. But so he said, don't worry, just come back tomorrow and uh, you will get it. Anyway, we were so happy. We went to the movie with my friend. Next morning, went to town, walking around. Decided to call our wives in Moscow. At that time, uh, long distance calling was done from the central post office. We're talking different society, different oh, yeah, time. Yeah. Okay, I'll tell you how it went. You had to go to the cashier and buy a coupon for three, five, or ten minutes, pay in advance, and then wait in the waiting room, and then the voice will say, Mr. So-and-so, cabin number three, because there was a whole row of okay. cabins, and there was a chair and a phone. All right, so that's how it went. He went to his cabin, I went to my cabin, none of the phones answer, nobody home. We came out, he said, my wife is not home. And I said, and my wife is not home. Something going on. Because he also had a toddler. No, wait a minute. He did not have a toddler. His wife was nine months pregnant. Yeah, he was born already outside. Anyway, uh, and then I said, I'm going to call my mother-in-law. Something is not right. I called my mother-in-law and she said, both girls had to go to the Department of Immigration urgently to pick up your visas without charge for education. And so I said, how did that happen? Apparently, there was a session of American Congress in Washington, D.C., and the Congress voted against giving Soviet Union status of country of trade preference, which would give us tons and tons of wheat from Canada and the United States. By voting against this, Soviet Union would have to pay three, four times more unless the immigration of Jews would be eased. So Soviet government reacted very promptly to that without changing any constitution, without changing any laws, without even putting any amendment. Quietly, tacitly, they called every every office of immigration saying to them get these people out without fee we will let you know how long they kept it i don't know how long but at least 10 12 days mm -hmm. there was a window they just kept it like that and so we had to go back to gregory as we promised mm -hmm. 
we came to his room and we've noticed on a couch there were two uh, parcels wrapped up in newspaper his parcel and mine <laughs> cash wrapped up in the newspaper on the couch <laughs> we were very sad and embarrassed telling him Gregory I'm very sorry to tell you we don't need your help you know because we're going free yeah. and we are sorry we are not able to help you and he said, oh, guys, don't worry. What is this, 16, 18,000? I have to get rid of 8 millions. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Nevertheless, time went by, and we immigrated. And then later, maybe a year or two later, I met my friend who immigrated to uh, Montreal and lives there now and I asked him where is Gregory have you ever heard from him what happened and so I learned his story one morning he simply disappeared with all his family and he told us over the dinner that for me immigration is a very different sort of things because uh, the way I made all my fortune mm -hmm. was being director of the textile warehouse. And as you imagine, the location of Lvov being a border town, mm -hmm. imagine that every day there were huge amount of uh, cargo coming from East, Western Europe, and they were all stored there and then distributed to various shopping centers or textile mm -hmm. fabrics throughout the Soviet Union, okay? But uh, his warehouse was this uh, distribution center. Mm -hmm. And that he, it was in his position to declare a percentage of goods which came damaged. And unfortunately, it was a quite a large percentage <laughs> of goods which arrived damaged. So they had to be, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, but then, at nighttime, when the warehouse was closed, there were certain individuals, especially from the uh, Caucasus countries, from Georgia, Armenia, Azerbaijan. And those individuals came with the big cars and opened the trunks. And damaged goods were quietly put in trunks for cash. And so Gregory managed to live very well. And he, he said to us, I'm doing this for over 10 years now. But in order for me to keep my family and myself above the water uh, I have to invite certain people from city government for dinner and uh, if you see out the window right there on the intersection you see this policeman 
what we call militsanier, which is a militiaman. He comes every Saturday for dinner and small envelope. And he keeps traffic away from my street, you know. Um, so he said, if anybody in the city government would learn about my intent to leave, I would be already in jail next morning. Mm -hmm. So he had to leave in the darkness of night with his family gone. And, and so he left town without telling anybody where and what. And eventually he immigrated, but not from Lvov. Yeah. And it is not known to me, I think, either from Odessa or from Vilnius, from mm -hmm. some other town. But he immigrated and uh, landed in Toronto, and he is owner of Russian food restaurant. 